There's no music if you have no body to play it with, so take care of your body first. You getting into the gym and you lifting weights and working on muscles, is it's physical therapy for the benefit of your playing. The truth is nothing works like just taking care of the simple stuff. Diet, exercise and sleep. Take care of that and you'll be fine. Join us as two musicians and fitness coaches discuss strength, wellness and fitness in relation to musicians, artists and performance. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Tuned and Strong podcast. I'm Angela McHouston of Music Strong and joined by my co-host. I am Dr. Jen Cavisme of Tuned and Tone Performance. And today we have a super special guest, Mr. Roy Ag. Thank you for coming to join us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Roy is a fantastic session player, trombonist, um, an all-around tour de force here in Nashville, and he's got an amazing story that we just we want to we want to highlight and and talk about. So, um, Roy, like we were talking about a little before, start wherever you think is important. What should people know, like when it comes to Roy? Well, I think I'm probably we'll just start at what I think is the beginning for me, which is a, what I would call a voiceless child. Children are seen, not heard, so you don't say much, you don't express much. And so I didn't, was sort of, I wasn't mute, I talked, and I was a pretty funny little kid, but I wasn't really in my own body until I found music. And then I had something to take seriously instead of just being deflective with humor or whatever. Um, and what makes you tick is that instrument. By this time, I was already struggling with weight. I was 13 when I started playing. And let me back up. In my childhood, my parents had a concern that I wasn't eating enough because I was very thin. I was very thin. You can see my ribs, but I was a happy little kid. This would have been age four to six or so, right in there. Um, and I had bright blonde hair. I guess you grow out of that, as you can see. Um, but I did, and... You know, I just grew up in that household with a very sort of this um, overwhelming sense of resentment. You can feel that. You don't have to have a name for it. I didn't have a name for it, but you can feel that. And I became incredibly adept at knowing the room. I could walk in the room and I could tell you everybody's mood. And I'm usually right because I've got this extra sense based in trauma um, that I can read the room, cater to the needs before they're spoken. Well, it comes at a cost and that cost is you become voiceless, formless. You become um, an extension of whoever you serve. I'm 48. I'm just now coming into my own. That's how long it's taken. So let's start there. My parents were concerned that I was not um, eating enough, so they took me to Shoney's. So my first memories of food were um, Shoney's, you know, and uh, I remember we uh, one time I got a big boy, and my dad, there's parsley on the plate, and my dad said, no, bro, I don't eat the decorations. It's great. <laughs> Oh, it's decoration. Okay, I'm sorry. It was, you know, we did grow vegetables. I was around some sort of very wholesome and 
worldly things like gardening. I love to grow food and all that. But when I found music, I felt like I had a voice because I was naturally good at it. I could play by ear and all that. And, mm -hmm. um, and then I had a natural sound on the trombone and my identity got wrapped up into it. And it became, mm. the beginning of it became more about being a competitor. Uh, it was a uh, mid-state, all-state, all this stuff. And I would always, I, I would excel quickly into, into the first slot and then have to maintain it. And that in the psyche of uh, a developing teenager just like puts all your value in it so that you invest and cannot disappoint. Remember, I'm not living for me. I'm living for you. And if I lose, I lose love. Well, the stress that made me a lot. Mm -hmm. I got a taste for, you know, like what, how fat and salt and all that stuff interacts. And man, it was amazing. So I wound up being overweight. I was always overweight. And that comes at, a, you know, an incredible price as well. It destroys your confidence. So I hold two things that's true. I'm very, very sad or you know, injured, I would say, but also music is a way for me to feel invincible. Um, and that invincibility is the thing that I've sort of grown into. What is it about that music that does that? What is it about this, or that experience that makes me feel disconnected from all the trauma? Well, music mm -hmm. does that. And trombone has done that. But the dangers of um, identity still linger you know so it's not a perfect solution but whoa i blacked out is everybody okay <laughs> now you you actually spoke to some stuff we were talking about earlier today that's really kind of amazing you just segue right yeah. in yeah <laughs> i think really the pursuit at this point um i've been enjoying working out and i did yoga for a while and that was that was fun it's anything to keep me grounded and keep me in my body. And now I've been doing elliptical and working with a, a welterweight, learning to fight, learning to box, learning about the efficiency of, of using your body um, and you not just hitting hard, but hitting efficiently and popping withdrawal. And that, that snap is the same thing on the trombone. I sort of tweak things on the trombone for myself, going for an embouchure like that way to and there's no obstruction and it takes very little air, very little. And it just you're lighting up a standing wave that already exists. Same thing with the whip, same thing. You're, you're accelerating through something and something takes over if you give yourself to it. Mm -hmm. That is an overarching theme, overarching theme for me where I am in my life. Stop fighting who you are, accept who you are and love it. Be grateful for what you have, be in your body, instill your mind and, and find some time to cook. I do those things. And my motto is simple right now. It is show up. Boy, have you shown up in a lot of ways. You've had an amazing career on top of this. I don't know if we want to segue into that or go back the other direction, yeah. but I mean, yeah. real quick. Um, you know, a great example of the, the fallout from the sort of the psyche I just was dealt is that I've gone kicking and screaming through every success I've ever had, fighting myself every step of the way. So when people talk about the secret manifesting, I, 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 that's fine. I love it. You know, and I love that kind of mindset and the, the efforts that go with it. But it's also possible to not believe an ounce of it and think you suck and be at the top of the game. 
It's entirely possible. It's very possible uh, that many famous people feel this way. I know that Prince felt that way. And that's, that's, that's probably my biggest credit is I played from 2012 until 2016, his death uh, in Prince's band. I was a member of the New Power Generation. I remember that. I remember that. And he, he felt like he wasn't, he, he didn't measure up. Yeah. After all of I mean, that. It has a background of abuse too. They, I mean, even his, his peers would stuff him in a locker because he was small, yeah. you know, and that became the revolution and then he became the boss. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a lot of the person we know as Prince came from that, no, that like kind of really intense, what do I have? I have music. Boom. Yeah. Anger's yeah. a great motivator, but it, it, it's only good for blasting off. If you stay there, you can get stuck there and eat about it or do drugs about it or whatever if you stay mm-hmm. stuck. Mm-hmm. Jen, what do you have to say? There's a whole lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, I'm sorry, and so- I'm on a heavy cold medicine. So I feel like we'll, we'll probably just ask some questions, kind of go off in some directions. Maybe we'll come back to some things. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of torn between which direction to go first. Um, I, I think I'm going to try to mentally come at this from if I were listening as a, you know, a audience member, new person, whatever. Um, and if I were hearing your story, um, I guess I have two questions. Um, number one, because it sounds like to me because of your, um, how you were associating um, the fear of loss in playing um, with self-doubt, did you experience um, an injury-based manifestation um, in your playing as well as um, just with yourself? And then part B, what got you to a point where you found that you wanted to do something about it and felt like you could? Well, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'll speak to the second question first. Okay, that's the more important one, I think. Uh, yeah, and we'll come back to it. Don't, don't forget because I've already forgotten. I wrote it down. Um, what was the question? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I, because of the, my Achilles heel, as it were, psychologically, I, you know, again, live, living for other people and kind of being a golden child, which best thing you can do if you find yourself in that situation is remove your crown and get off the throne immediately. Get connected with ordinary right now because it's killing you. I promise whoever's in that seat is killing you. Get out of it and get connected to reality and like the wholeness of life, not just music. Because life has kind of felt like a one long Allstate audition and I'm over it. So um, <laughs> I, uh, because of where I was, stop calling me, please. China's calling all the time. I don't have any answers. Um, uh, because of where I was emotionally, I went into a marriage that was very ill-suited for someone who was feeling the way I felt um, and had basically every fear confirmed and I wound up in a very abusive relationship and I was there for 12 years. And it was all about me being big, bigger than her. Like she, she really made fun of me naked 
I mean, there's no way around that. Uh, and, and like every part of my body was shamed to its core. I mean, it's a wonder I'm alive. And then the last three years of that marriage, I remember hearing the words, it's a bigger deal for you than it is me. Your belly hangs down. Hers was always hanging down too. But, um, mm. And I just turned out the light and I got up at five in the morning and I spent the next three years at Zumba. And I ran, I started bicycling. I did everything. I lost a lot of weight. And I was so angry. And this is why I mentioned the thing about uh, anger being good for blast off, but jettison that shit as soon as you can. Mm -hmm. Because I wound up in a heart attack at 30, 33. I was running, I jumped from six miles to 10, no hydration, really to speak of. I was in uh, Shelby Park in the middle of the day on like, Tuesday and started to feel nauseous. And I thought, wow, oh, no, man, it's just probably I got no water, you know. Then my limbs started to fail. And I was, I re had realized, I wish I had been less angry. I had that thought as I brought my feet up on a bench to, to stop the nausea. Someone happened to bite by, I said, do you need a ride home? I said, I think I do. <clears throat> and I walked a quarter mile, stopping every few feet and throwing up and got home and called the ambulance myself. Got there and in the ambulance, they said that abnormalities, they sent it to Centennial. The doctor read the abnormalities. He said, you're having a heart attack and we're going to save you. I went from being on the table to having a stent in 20 minutes. No damage, zero damage. He said the running and the exercising has made your heart very strong. And um, it might have exacerbated the heart attack, but it survived it because of what you've been doing. Wow. So there, my life could have ended right there. So like, I continued to sort of, you know, just feel really bad about myself, feel really ashamed. No confidence with women aren't even a radar. Although I, I wanted to be, you know, God, you know, because, you know, I like sex. Sex is neat. Um, <laughs> you know, that's part of it, but not, it's not all of it. There's a lot to learn about connection that I, I just never had. I was serving somebody who misused, misused me. And uh, I've never really talked about that with anyone uh, much because uh, it's embarrassing. But the last three years was that, and I remember just sort of like going through it, and then I felt like I was getting better. And there was an event that happened that made me feel like I had a definitive out of the marriage. And I signed papers and got out, and then we had some back and forth and some a little bit of messiness, but no long-term anything. And then I began smoking a lot of dope. Yes, quite a bit of marijuana. In those <laughs> yep. And uh, the devil's lettuce. Oh, the devil's <laughs> lettuce. We're finding the salad spinner. I'm ready to smoke it down. <laughs> so, yeah, let's just get this uh, stop and drop <laughs> whole thing happening there. You know, so did that. And then I got tired of doing that and drinking. You know, I've gone through that chapter in 2001. I was in New York and I drank my face off. I was there for a year. I was drunk for about 363 days out of two. I had two days off. I was wondering, I'm alive. Jesus, that was before I had the heart attack. Maybe that contributed. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, where are we? Is Carter still president? <laughs> <laughs> so we've moved on. <laughs> so we were, 
anyway, the last bit of the marriage, I, I did divorce her and got out and then tried to change because of the voices, you know, like mm. I've got to change to be loved. I've got to change for a girl to want to be with me. Mm. And that leads you down. You, you will eventually get bigger. If you go down this road, you will abandon the things because you're not doing it for the right person. Me, I'm the right person. Uh, and so that's where I am now, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not changing for anybody else. Uh, what's important is that I'm happy in my own skin because I, I live here, that my mind is quiet and strong and that nothing gets in my way, that I can focus, that I can get up every day with fire because I am internally fire all the way. I just love it. I've always been fascinated with it. I'm glad I never wound up on the news over that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but I would have, uh, I'd set gas fires all the time growing up on the wood pile. Yeah, man. So I love the element I didn't know you were a pyro. Yes, I was a pyro. Man, I made a flamethrower when I was a boy. Daddy, I made a flamethrower. Don't point it. God, bless America. <laughs> Get out in the yard and point it that away. <laughs> I mean, at least he was he was appreciative and supportive of your uh, your creative. Yeah, he didn't try to stop me. He was like, "Well, he's going to stop I mean, we all do it. I guess that's what amazing. I never heard him get anybody's like, stuff on fire. I was just like, I like to throwing on wood pile, neat. Yeah. All I'm excited is I want to live a life that cultivates who I really am, and my body will reflect it at some point. I mean, I'm. I'm working pretty hard right now and trying to do it sustainable. Uh, I know what my maintenance calories are, which is a big deal. You have to learn. If you can live at maintenance, you know you can, you can calm down. Mm -hmm. And then you can make small, manageable changes over time. Yes. And if you do it, and if you do it gung-ho, you're going to get a kickback. Because it's not just one entity here inside of us. There's many. There's a child who will kick back. There is uh, a logical adult, there's anger, there's fear, there's guilt and shame. There's all these committee members, but they're committee members and I am the president. And so <laughs> I say that I'm doing this for me and, and I talk back to those voices. I'm like, I hear you. And I try not, I don't, I don't go get away from me. You're harassing me. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I, uh, I know they are. Say, oh, hey, yeah, that asshole. Yeah, okay, yeah, come on and judge everybody. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, well, you were drunk, so bye. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's just that kind of like, are you judging me or you're, you're you know, saying your cat's probably going to die, you stupid. You're probably going to forget to feed it. You know, stuff like that. Even that simple stuff is just like, yeah. okay, hey, how you doing, you idiot? Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. But so... Yeah. It's important to for me to be present and show up for myself, uh, you know, for me. To, to, because I, I know from experience, death isn't motivating. Life is. Life yeah, you would know better than just about anybody right here. I mean, having gone through a heart attack, holy cow. Life is motivating. Because there's a lot of beautiful stuff about it. And there are a lot of beautiful people that go along with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's worth doing. It's worth living. Yeah, absolutely. So that it's funny you you've actually just touched on a whole lot of things that we just talked about. Um, oh this whole 
yeah, so many things. Like, have you been listening in the closet? You listening? know, <laughs> <laughs> you know we had to start a surveillance program. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> We had an entire series we called Healthy Habits, and it was about how to, um, you know, making making exercise something that you enjoy, finding what you enjoy, and how to make it sustainable. And the, yeah. the, the biggest part of that is it's got to be something you like. And if you don't like it, you're not going to do it. It's like yeah. you said, you're going to get that kickback. And if, you're, if your motivation is purely out of anger, right. your blood pressure is going to go through the roof and all kinds of other negative things. And I love what you said, that it's it's just like a, it's a, you got to jettison that out of there once you've lifted off. I mean, like a, a spaceship doesn't keep the rocket fuel after liftoff. Once it's burned off, it's gone. You got to yeah, right. You got to find a better motivation. You got to dig down deep after that. Like, okay, I'm angry. Why am I angry? Let's get down to that. Why, why am I important more than this person thinks I'm not important? Right. Mm-hmm. Those are huge things to ask. Those are big questions to ask. And, and you get the, you get the good stuff when you ask them the questions, you know, you do, because you find out what matters to you. And mm-hmm. if you can identify anything that matters to you, then you can find that value in yourself. And I just switched from living for everyone to balancing myself into it. You know, uh, I feel selfish at times drawing boundaries and being like, I just can't do that. You know, I'm sorry. And then people guilt you and wanting to do something, making you do something, you know, just like I feel like a jerk, but I'm not coming <laughs> because yeah. I need to make room for me. And I never did that. People are accustomed to me not ever doing that. So, you know, it does feel like, wow, you're, you used to be a lot more agreeable. I was dead inside. <laughs> Back in those days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, especially right now, it's like, the the general vibe from everybody that I'm around anyway is that whether or not we're in music and musicians are particularly guilty about this but not where it's not exclusive to us I've seen plenty of people in corporate the same way where it's like you're expected to live for the job mm-hmm. no I'm not just gonna... just, like, <laughs> just say yes you know like say yes huh. to everything I want to be a wind chimes and a spiritual wind. I want to make music and make things, and I have this imagination, and it's unique to me. And we go through in the competitive, like sort of like freelance world. There's people talking, oh, they're the best, they're the best, they're the best. I've you, you take that title. You can have the best. I'll be the only, and that means it's my musical DNA in there, and it's unique to me because my background, who I am, and what I've experienced. Everyone has that in there as an artist or as a person or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so I want to foster that and uh, love it enough to have it appear rather than the idea of mining for ideas in this like coal mine, which always makes me a little afraid I might get sick. Um, uh, to, instead of thinking of that, the, the wind chime analogies that whatever comes, come, come through me, I might hear a melody in that stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Then just let it and stop fighting myself so hard. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, something that she said struck, <laughs> didn't strike a nerve, but it hit home. Um, when I got to graduate school, um, I actually started graduate school at Appalachian State, and I, I think I had to go through that first. I got into Indiana, and I got into App, App State, and Indiana gave me like a $1,000 scholarship or something cute. Yeah, I was like, 
cool. I'll be 40 grand in debt with a performance degree. That's a no. That, no I don't care if it's Indiana. Y'all are great. I, no. What am I going to do with that? Right? So I went to App State and nothing against it. It just, I really hated my time there. It wasn't the people were offering anything. It's just, it was a terrible, terrible fit. I didn't like living there. I was not challenged. I was bored. I mean, I got like, I didn't, I didn't, this sounds funny. I got an A minus in flute lessons. I was the graduate student. I was bored, but I had to go through that because I got, I tried to get into FSU and I got rejected. And the, the professor Ava was like, I want you here. You're not ready to be here. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. In her very Swiss accent, which is, you know, kind of changes how it's delivered. Yeah. So I had to go through that. And when I finally got to Florida State, like the next year I auditioned, she's like, now you're ready to be here. And I give you a teaching assistantship. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had that feeling the whole time I was supposed to be there, but then I got rejected and went, but I, but I feel like I'm supposed to be. I was, but the time wasn't right. But then I get there and she, I'll never forget one of our first lessons. She's like, Angela, you do not have, you have not to please me. <laughs> and I was like, oh what do you mean? No, that's my job as a student is to please the teacher. She goes, no, you have not to, because she's Swiss, right? She, she basically said, no, I, it doesn't matter if I like it. I want you to like it. You have to find your voice. Stop trying to please me. And I just, my brain just totally exploded everywhere. I'm like, I don't understand. But they were right. I'd, I'd had people all along telling me, quit playing the way you think I want to hear you play. I want you to play your best. And she kind of really hit it home at that yeah. point. I think when you're, as a musician, when you're doing that, that means you're spending time with your inner, like your inner musician. And that gets bigger, it gets louder and stronger the more time you spend with it. Meaning trial and error, what do you want? And hear what you want, miss it, get it, miss it, get it, get it, miss it, get it, get it, get it. You know, always this. And that, that connecting with that, drives the whole ship. I mean, that's what makes great people great is this connection of, of like imagination to fruition, fluid. There's uh, fluidity to it, an, or, be it an orchestral job, be it a conductorship uh, uh, or a trombone player uh, playing in the yard right now. Get back in the house. But it, it, it kind of goes along with that. She's like, Angela, you're not afraid of failure. You're not afraid of that at all. You're afraid of success. You're afraid of succeeding for you. Which also made my head completely explode in a hundred directions. I was like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't even know what, what do you mean I'm afraid of success? I've been very good at what I do. And she's like, mm, 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 really? You know, and she just, she kind of, she has this way about it that she can get, she can really like get to you in a good way. But I mean, that's, it goes, it goes with that. Are you really afraid of failure or are you afraid of truly succeeding authentically for you? Yeah. And the reason I think that's, you know, I think that invokes fear is just because it requires a precursor and the precursor is self-worth. has to be built up enough to say, I am worth this. I can do this. And those come from small successes and building, doing and building confidence and whatever you can do. Uh, at the end of every day, I try to say, or during the course of the day, I was like, what's going to make this day feel like it was a good day for me? Like I did something productive or I did something for myself. And I'll usually, well, make my bed. So I'm like, 
I make my bed. And that's enough to build a little bit of self-esteem. Just is. I mean, those little things and you build up and you're like, I'm starting to see progress from my working out and that spurs me on to do it. Do I like the elliptical? No. Who likes an elliptical? You know, but I'm there because I'm, I'm feeling a difference in me. And um, I'll get tired of it. I'll do something else. Maybe I'll go back together. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll play badminton alone in a cage. Weird. <laughs> I don't think that's very good cardio. That's probably not not so much. No. The ball gets stuck in those links, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean tennis? Yeah, I love. Yeah. I used to play tennis. Now I was like, there, there. He's like, oh, he's not very fast. Mm-hmm. I love tennis. I was good at uh, from like if I was playing like a blind child or something like that. I was really good. Um, yeah. Or somebody that you know has, has never held a racket before. Um, well, Roy, I, I I grew up playing, but there's a reason I'm not a tennis player. Like there's a reason I pick up heavy things for livings because they're stationary. <laughs> <laughs> they don't move. Yeah. But I love to play. I'm just not good at it. So if you ever want to play, play with you. you're probably better. At, <laughs> you're better than me. I say I'm good. <laughs> well, I mean, I've played in three years, so let's take this to the court. Yeah, I played racquetball one time too. That That's was terrifying. It's a, it's like a here step in the PTSD chamber. <laughs> How you feeling? <laughs> it's vicious in there. It is. You're absolutely right. <laughs> right. So yeah, there's. Yeah. I feel you. I'm Captain Derailment. <laughs> How you doing? I'm a train conductor today. Is that a barn? <laughs> yeah. Hydrated. Right. Yeah. So I mean, we, like we were saying, like you got to find the thing that's that's right for you when it comes to exercising. I mean, right. if you you stick with something you enjoy, and it doesn't, mm-hmm. you don't have to do any kind of exercise just because someone said that's what you should do. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Sustainable. Yeah. I mean, do you like boxing? How are you liking it? I, I like it. I like the physics of it. I like that uh, he, he's he's a welterweight Jamaican guy named Ben Roy, who's awesome. And he's like, you, you, you can already hit you already hit time. Don't you don't have to, I'm up screwing up. So I don't know what to it's say. Fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's great. And he says you don't you can already hit hard. So I'm not, that's not what we're working on. Mm. Uh, we're working on speed. We're working on endurance. He's taught me to breathe through my nose to get the heart rate to drop, to breathe through my nose, and then go back to normal breathing. And sure enough, it'd be like 137, 133, 128. That fast. I was like, my God, that does work. I wish I'd known that a few years back, Ben Roy. (laughs) Bam. Missed it. Right. Yeah. So Jen, I don't. I, I have a couple more questions, but if you want to, like, if there's anything you want to dive into, go for it. Sure, sure. Um, so it, it sounds to me like um, we've kind of danced around a little bit. Um, it seems like you're associating your um, self value improvement in uh, the physical sense, and uh, seems like that's parallel to your improvement with your relationship with music. Would you say? That's yes. 
Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. And part of that for me was having, and my studio is really a humble studio. It's not very expansive. It's this desk. This is a ring light or an alien ship. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really simple. But having that changed the relationship I had with music. And I'll play with a drone. I'll practice with a drone a lot because uh, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to train my eye. I'm trying to train my ear, you know. So I don't, uh, working with tuners is cool. And I can, sometimes I can stop a strobe tuner and it looks like it malfunction. But usually I'm on one side or the other. Every now and then I get lucky, hit a 12. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't play with the drone and I do it like because I'm curious. So the, the, the element of change for me has been curiosity. What okay. can I do? What's possible? Okay. And like, and, and take, I take lessons. I, I take lessons with this guy that knows how to do that because he had focal dystonia and he came back from it. Cool. Yeah, came back from that. And he's, he came he, back. He sure did. He came back. Dion, now he came back from that and plays great, better than he could before. He was limited by that same thing I'm talking about this versus that. Yeah, what I hear with focal dystonia a lot is that you got to come back from it. You have to change something because it's, you know, it's a brain overuse injury, yeah. right? So he had to change his embouchure? No, not exactly. He did change his embouchure, but he didn't uh, work at that. What they had him work on, um, and this is Vern, uh, I'm sorry, Jan Cagaris in, in Texas, is learning to go without a buzz. Not even thinking of your breath, but only thinking of the phrase, whatever. But at first, you're just trying to find a note. And it really, truly, to buzz a middle F on my horn takes this much air. Hold on. It takes about. And it. Nice. You know, if you were to take a, a long glass pipe and put a flame at the end of it, it would light up and make sound. And, the, and their point when they do that is, what's buzzing? With brass players, we're taught to buzz. You know, we're the one generating the sound. Not. We're, that sound is in there. If you ever pop a mouthpiece on a brass instrument, it makes a note. Mm-hmm. So it's in there, you know. So my, my job is to, blow, to give wind to that voice and be the intermediary, intermediary and, uh, and not get in the way of that. So this creates turbulence because there's, you're doing something. If you can let go and collapse in, these corners will do automatically what they need to do. The only thing you think of is in sound. You go, you've been doing that a long time. You know, and it really is, that's how he changed it. It became about the music and became about just relaxing and getting out of the way. So there was nothing, he's not thinking of his embouchure. It's his mind is on something else. And he's learned to do it fit by practicing physically, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm learning too. When I can hit it, I can go all over the horn. It's mm-hmm. uh, and if you've ever heard of doodle tonguing, it's that's what those players do. The doodle tonguing instead of going ta 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 or ta ka ta ka ta ka ta ka ta double tonguing, it's lateral. So Side to side. <laughs> That's going to be great for review. Uh, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> what did the closed caption say just now? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. There's a total meltdown on the transcript. Got to be. Absolutely not. What is going on? Are they planning some sort of event? I hadn't <laughs> heard of it before. Oh yeah, that's that's what it means. Just doodle. Literally, the word doodle kind of sums it up. Doodle, 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 doodle. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so um, that is all right there. And if, if you get, if you try to enforce, you shut it all down. So it is kind of a learned thing. Uh, and I'm still reconciling that with the other things I do. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm learning and I, I like it. I like that sort of curiosity, satisfying curiosity. What's possible? And I like that it's um, what's possible when you get out of your own way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. That's that's, uh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's a lot of what I work on too. And I think, Angela, that's a, if you're not still working on it, I know that's what uh, Ava was doing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you just, you just that. nailed that in a semester. <laughs> and I had, had to come back together first. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That, to, to, you're right. But to that end, she had this book of etudes and she's like, you will memorize these and you will play them for me in lessons. And I'd never memorized like Jack. I mean, not, I've memorized like two things, you know, never flute players, don't memorize anything. And I was like, really? She goes, yes, you will memorize it and you will play it and pass for me. Like, okay. Wow. It, it took that after she said what she said, the beautiful thing was she didn't say you have to learn this in a week. She's like, you will come in and play these for me. Yeah. Whenever she is. put you in the event. <laughs> yeah. I've done this already. You know, I that. was in graduate school with her for two years and it took me two years to play that first one from memory. Uh, and wow. she was so excited. She's like, yeah, Angela, you took two years to play it for me. I love that. Like, love she didn't that. care that I didn't do the book. She just wanted me to do the thing. And to like take ownership of do it in my way and learn what my way was. Yeah. That's what was amazing. Oh, that is amazing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. You had a, um, Jen, there was another question you just asked Roy. Part A, of, we covered part B. It was about injury, I think. Uh, part A was, yeah, um, with the, you were talking about uh, the, emotional and some physical manifestation. I'm sorry, my, my auto zoom is driving me nuts here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think I'm having a stroke, man. No, 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 no. I can't, I can't figure out how to turn it off. So I'm just blurry. Sorry guys. But, um, uh, so there were some physical manifestations from your stress, um, from competing musically, obviously, but was it associated with, um, the physical act of playing also? Yeah. Yeah, it made me, I've been doing sessions and then always being in the shadow with someone else and having people say the most crazy things. Well, believe what I've heard over the years, but I just like, I mostly, I, I've let it roll as much as I can and internalized it a lot. So like, mm -hmm. if, if I make a mistake on a session, I, you know, get in there, get in there, get in there. That's the worst thing you can do. Um, yeah. it's to, and you, you play with fear, all, you know, yeah. and fear is um, mis misplaced uh, you know I'm, the freedom to be able to let go and play play something for real play it 
instead of like trying to hide or trying to play, uh, you know, these by these rules. That is a toxic, toxic, toxic thought process and environment. So, you know, I I got a lot better, a lot, a lot better quickly when I gave up that struggle. And I think I gave it up around 2013. Once I started with Prince, it was just like, you know what? I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to be someone else. I'm, I'm going to have to embrace what I can do and then be my own competition, you know, trying to be better at, at whatever. I, I, let me tell you, I wouldn't want to be, this is probably the best case scenario for me because I'm a, I am a competitor, but I want it to be with me. I want to see my progress. I want to feel that. And uh, man, I'm a bastard. but you you said something really interesting you know um getting into the session world that's that's not like an easy thing and then when you're there isn't there like there's there's just so much pressure not to screw up because you screwed up for everybody and how how do you how did you deal with that mentally with the whole what you're what you're talking about um with playing for yourself but having that kind of pressure well, yeah, they're almost two different pursuits. Um, but the, the things I've been studying uh, uh, take care of a lot of it. Uh, is, you know, and that is just having a calm mind. Or, yeah, Kitty, get on out of here. I know we what you're doing. We all have cats, all three of us. It's all good. <laughs> Please, Kitty. Not at work. Uh, yeah, so uh, the, the pressure thing is just having faith in my and being still, if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. They all do um, at some point, you know. And, uh, but yeah, there's, I can feel that cinch and the judgment and the things that I hear other people say about other players, all this like gone. This is all a distraction. This is all white noise. Has nothing to do with anything real about a person. It's all judgments that are offsetting their own stress. So they're vomiting stress, all oh, stress. Oh, yeah. Lord, Lord God, I'm sick as a dog all the time. Mm-hmm. So that part of it, I eliminate. And I mean, but I still record just about every day. And so I'm finding a way to get in the right groups of people of like mind and make music with them. And there's plenty of people. Mm-hmm. Plenty. And uh, I really... Everybody's cats are just having a field day on this call today. Mine are asleep. <laughs> you Mine just screamed. <laughs> Mine okay. just screamed. Fortunately, I was muted, so we, we don't have to listen to him yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope my uh, mountain lion doesn't get out of the bathroom. <laughs> Got to keep him locked up. Maddox. <laughs> the mountain lion. Put a saddle on him and give it a shot. How dare you? Anyway, sorry. That's okay. Like, what were we talking here. about? I totally lost some of the cats. Well, we're yeah, talking I about think... playing with like-minded people, right? Yeah, yes. like-minded people, people who are um, creative and um, can play under pressure too. Playing under pressure is nothing more than being more grounded in the person behind your eyes. Mm, yeah, who you are, who you really are. You've been like. Nothing matters, you know, and play. So, Jen, Jen interrupt me here if I just... No, have at, have at. Okay. 
<laughs> so I got a, I got a couple of questions. I want, I really want to dig into your your time with Prince because I, yeah. who else can tell that kind of background? But before we do that, um, you, how did you get into doing what you do now, and where were you in life then compared to now? Like with all well, the talk. I mean, you know, after Prince, uh, I came back here and did some freelancing, but there wasn't a lot going on for me at that time. So I just sort of hung on and I did like odd jobs. Like I think it was DoorDash and, and Lyft and like, it was really hard, you know, it was hard to do that and be real established. And, I, you know, I had to leave a lot on a dime. So I didn't take a lot of work in that time here because I didn't want to make everybody mad. Well, the, so after that, about a year after that, I did a Christmas tour with Lauren, who I did not know. And- um, Lauren Daigle? Uh-huh, Lauren Daigle. And then I became connected to her and she, she liked me, like she liked who I was and, uh, and it's kept me around. So even, you know, when we wound up doing a tour, we wound up on salary, I never had a salary in my life. You know, that was crazy. Uh, I love that. Consistency trumps everything else. Whatever you're consistent about is what you turn into and that money, I was able to stack up money, save money for the first time really. And, uh, and, and much better with it, much healthier relationship with money. So the trifecta is weight, money, and music. Those are the three things that behave very similarly in my life. Hmm. And so all three are healing. I noticed that, and I'm proud of that. That I'm happy about, you know, because I want to feel more comfortable in all three areas, you know. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I think that's that's brilliant. And especially when you come from finding your voice, your very first voice in music to like understanding how it goes with all these other parts of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. And I know when you said that, I bet I, I totally relate to that. How many of us found our identity, not just our voice, but our identity as a musician, yeah. which is why when, when musicians get injured, they are so scared. They're afraid of not just losing their career, they're afraid of losing their identity. Yeah, they're dying, essentially. Yeah. They feel like it's going to kill them. And yeah. I, I, I always feel like I, I have a great sympathy for anyone who faces anything like that because I know it, it's, they got to feel really shut down. And if they can get better, then they get better and they, they apply themselves. And if they can't, then they got to switch and it's hard because mm -hmm. that's who they were. And they were those people at an, a particularly crucial time in their life. You know, that leaves a big mark and that's a developmental river. You know, you grew, grew those thoughts so hard for so long and then to have it taken away has got to feel like getting a limb cut off or something. You start to have those thoughts. I'm like, I'm not that anymore. I'm not that anymore. I'm not that. That's got to be hard. So. Well, but that, that goes back into um, what you were talking about with um, finding you, the you that's already in there, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's part of why it's like, if you found, found <laughs> words are hard. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you found part of yourself through playing, but then you make the mistake of thinking that you are the playing and not the playing is an extension of you, a means of expressing that. Right. That's, I think that's where a lot of the dysfunction with that can come from. Um, and I, I say this because, again, I, I assume that we have people listening who maybe this would help. 
Um, but this was something, you know, I, and it, I'm pretty open about the fact I was injured. I, I wasn't sure I was going to get better. Um, awesome. You know, I, I had people, I had experts telling me I wasn't and I got better because I decided I was going to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but I definitely did make the mistake of thinking that at first it was um, I was the thing instead of the thing was a means for me, you know? Um, and then it was an issue of that was the only way I had found to express myself. Yeah. Um, that part of myself or that voice, like you said, I, I don't express myself easily, which is why words can get hard sometimes. <laughs> um, but to have oh, like, well, my voice is gone now. Like, well, I'm not going to say that that's ever going to go away, but I will say that much in the same way that when you're a baby, you learn to stand up one way the first time, right? So now you, your baby just stood up for the first time, you know one way to stand up. That doesn't mean there aren't other ways to stand up. That just means that you found your first way and it's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yes. Find the other thing because you know what it feels like now. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, you work, and it's the. I, sometimes I'll tell somebody try to work from your strengths before your weaknesses. What are you yeah. already good at? Come out of that, you know. Yeah. You can address weaknesses as you find them inspiring or not inspiring. If you feel like you should do something, you need to question it. Because mm -hmm. if you're using the word "should," you're up against something that I can, I might call bullshit on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to want that, not should it. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. congratulations for facing one of the hardest challenges well it is the hardest challenge music you can face and coming out on the other side of it it's pretty badass thank you <laughs> right <laughs> you know yep and there's yeah. there's a lot of us out there and it's like man the more yeah. we talk about it i think the better it's going to be for one thing i will speak to is the i as time has gone on and trying to stop being anyone else but me and sort of embracing that as a slow process has led me to realize that music is a, a passion that I have. Trombone's a passion. But my purpose is the person that goes to the trombone and goes to make the music. My purpose has everything to do with who I am intrinsically. And I'm silly, uh, can be funny, uh, deep. The trombone can express all that too, but I don't need it to be me. It's mine to play with however I want to play, but it's mine. But mm -hmm. I'm not it. I'm the guy behind the eyes. I'm the this intrinsic person, um, and that is has uh, is attached to purpose because whoever you influence, you don't you can't tell how deep you influence somebody. You can never tell. Mm -hmm. But if you're you and you're really just you. It almost doesn't matter what circle you wind up in because you're going to influence the world and make it a better place or a worse place, you know, if you're a jerk. But uh, <laughs> most people aren't when you boil it down, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Vin, that, that was the title of, uh, of Vinny's episode. Yeah, Don't be a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a jerk. How's Don't that? Be a jerk. Yeah. There are a lot of personalities in the music business, and some of them are like, <laughs> I don't know what y'all are on. I just need help. You need Jesus. Yes. <laughs> we all need little Jesus, I think. So, 
you know, so, so, so getting into that, what about, let's, the, the, the elephant in the room is your time with Prince. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. So many questions, like, how did you get the gig? What was the thing? What was the scenario? What's um, your best story? What, well, huh? uh, Phil Lasseter brought me aboard. He was a horn arranger that was here. He's lived in several cities, but he was here and I spent some time with him working. And he could rub people the wrong way. He'd be kind of out to people. He might say something weird to them and they'd be like offended, you know, and they, there was some of that going on. And I just always just was like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'll play, uh, you know, I don't know what you're doing. I, you say crazy shit. So, okay, <laughs> that's you. I mean, you're grown. So, well. and so I, he never had a bad taste in his mouth because I was never like, you need to shut up. I never did any of that. You know, but I, and I can play all his charts, his charts were hard. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very difficult on all the parts. You know? So I did that and he brought me in. They called me and I turned it down. And I turned it down because like he's going to take one look at me and he's going to fire me. So a year went by and someone else took it. They spent about a year and they quit and it came back. And I was like, I can't turn it down now because you don't play with fate. So no. I wound up being featured in a band. I wound up hiding him on several occasions at the top of the show behind a coat and he would tap me. I'd run and expose him, and people would explode. Um, I got to play a lot of solos with him. There were times when I played when everybody go on break, and I'd just sit in my chair, and uh, he'd play drums, and I'd play trombone with him, you know. He's just, like, jamming. Um, and I played ping pong with him, and I was like, I'm in dress shoes, man. You win, dude. So <laughs> you good at it, but damn, you might be wearing these stupid shoes. So. Damn, son. That's funny. <laughs> um, you know, and so the other thing about him is that he uh, he's really funny. He was a very funny dude. Uh, I I met him by wandering off on a break, and I heard a chase. Uh, you know. Uh, television and I went in this like kitchenette he's on a chaise lounge and silk black pajamas with little nunchuck buttons you know and uh and he's got these light up platform tennis shoes like when it heel strikes it lights up I'm like I don't know man. probably somebody made that for you or something and so I look at him and I'm like I can't run and I should <laughs> you should not be here <laughs> and I go hello Mr. Prince and he goes hello <laughs> <laughs> he was watching the BBC. I was like, yeah, uh, watching some news. He was like, yeah. I like news. <laughs> says that? Nobody says that. You like news? What the hell are you talking about? Um, yeah, that's real. And then that, that was a Wednesday, and I thought, going home on Southwest. I know it's happening. <laughs> So by that Friday, we were doing a double video shoot. We got there like, and this, this is a double story, but it winds up in a great place. Uh, the first photo shoot, we got there at one o'clock. I think we started filming around eight. I'm like, what? We get here at one. Um, so he has all these props and he, there's no alcohol because he's Jehovah's Witness, but there's drinks on, the st- on these little tables that were turned out to be prop tables. <laughs> And um, there was like a cola looking like Jack and Coke, you know, that kind of thing. So 
we're all around these in this, this particular set and the camera. And I've got to put rest my foot on the base of this table that I think is a real table. And he's three feet away from me on a, a little ledge. And I spill all three Diet Cokes in my crotch. And the table goes down. And he looks at me and goes, why? <laughs> and I went, oh, my God. I'm going home again. But we did his video at the end of that. Oh, I'm sorry, Andy Allo's video, which is someone he was producing. Um, and uh, so it's like really late. Now it's like 3.30 or 4 in the morning, somewhere in that. Like the sun's coming. It's, it's going like, hey, you're almost ready? And the sun is almost uh, upon us. Of course, we can't see it because there's no windows. Um, and so we're doing this video shoot and I had five, five hour energies because I was like, I can't say, wait, man, I'll go, go, go. It's like, I might as well have done a bunch of blow. Um, <laughs> and so we do this, all this stuff and that, and the director keeps being, looks surprised that I can move. And I'm like, why are you vibing me, man? I can move. I did Zumba for years. And, um, that at the end of the night, it was maybe five thirty or six. He says, I would like you to do a dance solo with the trombone solo. And I went, I think you're making a terrible mistake. I said, I think you're making a terrible mistake. And he said, no, 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 we're going to do it. And so, and I can show you, you can look at the video, Andy Allo, People Pleaser, it's called. How ironic it's named People Pleaser. Because this was the very beginning of me changing some of that. So I wound up doing it. I played along with the track and just went animalistic. I did a high kick way above my head. I ended the video going like that. You know, I was like, there. You know, and he loved it. He got up on the bongos and was uh, on the conga jamming in the room. I said, you're going to play it really loud. And there was a wall of speakers behind me. And it was like, fuck, sick. Loud, super loud. And and then he, <laughs> he gives me a hug after. He said, I got to tip you, Doc. And we were good from then on. I went from the red to the black from that one thing. <laughs> and I never wandered off again. <laughs> I bet you did. Yeah. I kept my ass at Paisley or Buffalo Wild Wings or the hotel. The why is what cracks me up. <laughs> why? That's <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but my pay grade, Prince. When I told my cousin at a family reunion, who, who are you playing for now, Royal Bill? Uh, I'm Prince. France? That's the one over in England? Not being funny. That's a real question. And I said, wow. yes. <laughs> yes. I your vibe, please. Hmm. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Roy, are you from here? Are you from Tennessee? Yeah, I'm from Mount Juliet. Oh, okay. So you didn't you didn't grow up anywhere. I wasn't sure if you were from here, from you know the deep south near the deep near some water somewhere. I uh, say Alabama, no, but I'm, never mind. I'm Middle Tennessee. I, my dad's accent, I think, influenced mine. He he said, "Roll." He never said trombone. No, I never heard him say it. Roll blows a bugle up at school. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, really? Roll is a magician of a family. Oh, yeah, that's real. Oh, yeah, real as All right. (laughs) (laughs) It blows the bugle. I sure does. 
It drives me nuts when band direct, when 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 conductors are like uh, band directors say, you know, you got to blow some no- blow some notes through the horn. You know, y'all got to put your horns down, and I, it, it drove me crazy for the longest time. I'm like, I don't play a horn. Dude, you see that? <laughs> I know it was stupid, but it, it just rubbed me the wrong way for a long oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah. Horns? I'm not a horn man. French horns. Not a horn. It's, it's the only thing. Jen plays clarinet. She's not necessarily horn either. You know, you're a horn player. Uh, it, 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 I lived with it for so long. It doesn't even phase me. I'm just like, hi. Uh, <laughs> you know what? If I can play clarinet, the first thing I do is a big trill in the yard and go Zanarans. <laughs> that's what. That's all I want to learn. I just Zanarans. Like, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't take that long, you know. order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been priceless, Roy. Just, just <laughs> priceless. Do you have any more stories? Because, man, I don't think anybody oh was going to stop you. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, that's fantastic how you got in. You know, again, don't be a jerk. Um, yeah. But then, I want to do this favor. Yeah, see, thing? I mean, you you screwed up, but we all screw yeah. up. You can't expect to be perfect on a job, even with Prince. I mean, no. you're just going to spill coke at some point. I know. I had sticky crush all night, too. Even in the <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. During your dance solo, too? Oh, dance, yeah. I did a spin and threw my leg way up over my head. I can do that with a, my right leg. I could kick a door for it's crazy. Nice. My left leg can't do it. And I probably am living on borrowed time. I think I'm still mostly cartilage. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure. Can't be sure. At least you're self-aware, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or high cartilage content. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So what was it? Remind us again. What was the name of the uh, of the video yeah. if anybody wants to go see it? Oh, um, Andy Allo, A-N-D-Y. A-L-L-O, oh, God. Hello. Hello? A-L-L-O, I think. Okay. Hello. Okay. And uh, the uh-huh. title of the uh-huh. song is People Pleaser. Got it. Way through, but the whole thing's worth watching. Has the whole band that I played with there, and the, it's nostalgic for me to watch it because I'm like, man, everybody was uh, right there. You know, we were all together. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, what I had to take say? a note too because I'm like, I gotta see this now. <laughs> oh, you won't believe it. It's ridiculous. You'll see. That's fantastic. You'll hear it when it comes in. The trombone playing is not me, it's trombone shorty, but I dance to the video. So, so. so. <laughs> it looks like I'm playing it. Thanks, yeah. Roy. Ting. So would you say that those are probably your favorite memories or did you would you have a favorite that you'd want to? Oh, gosh, yeah. Those are some of my favorite memories. I have great memories from um, the Glenn Miller Band when I was in my 20s, getting stuck in my seat when I had to stand up and go Pennsylvania 6-5, oh, 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 on the Glenn Miller Band, bucket seats in Iowa. And um, I stood up and the chair stuck to my ass. And so it popped off and made a sound and went, <laughs> and, uh, and the drummer was like, man, that's what he said, man. That's it. Yeah. I'm like, this dude, this job's going to suck. <laughs> that's amazing. Who puts the players in bucket seats? <laughs> I know. 
I'm like, man, come on, man. This is meant for a zygote. <laughs> We're planning right there. Terrible. What are you asking? <laughs> oh gosh, I don't think I don't think I've had anything like that happen. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I mean, not with my horn in my hands. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Lord, I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I went to a pig roasting one time with a kind of Grateful Dead kind of band. It looked like war torn Cambodia. I'm just rib cages everywhere, man. I was like, oh my god, what are we doing? Played on the hay, hay trailer. Played on the General Jackson. I got memories from that. There was one time in the galley down where we had to eat salad and all that, that one, it was me and the crew, not the band, just me. And one single solitary maggot made its way across the table. And they were all looking at it like, what the fuck? And I went, here, Ricky, come on, boy. <laughs> Iranian was like, you are gross. He was a captain, he was, a, he was the leader. You're gross, gross, no. I'm like, here, Ricky, come on. You're almost there, buddy. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, the General Jackson is a, uh, a, it's a showboat, but what do you call it? It's like a riverboat. Yeah, it's, it's a, a riverboat river up here in Nashville. Yeah, and I just did a wonderful advertising job for them. <laughs> All right, yeah. I can't prove the maggot exists. I still have Ricky. He's six feet now. He's got a sister, I'm sure. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you had any advice besides not being a jerk, uh, what would what advice would you have for anybody who wants to do what you do or get to where you are? Find the intrinsic need to play. Mm. Discover that, and there's a well of curiosity behind it. There's a reason you picked the instrument you did. Uh, if you don't feel passionate about it, switch instruments. Do something that gets you closer to whatever you imagine. Live in your imagination and uh, and just play. Find a trial and error. Nothing replaces time. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier, too. What's that? <laughs> Angela and I were talking about that earlier, too. Huh? Really? I mean, oh, yeah. right I mean you know, if, yeah. you, if you're going to be all oh, you, Michael Jordan had to work a lot to be Michael Jordan. I mean, everybody has to work uh, mm -hmm. because you have your brain just has to go through like, whoops, oh, that's it. Yeah. Whoop. Yeah, that's you know, find the middle over time and you get mm -hmm. more accustomed to being there because of repetition. No way around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing beats experience. Did you practice? No, I didn't make it. You're still, you're going to suck. Right? Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> In all its glory. <laughs> oh, oh my God. Right. Well, Roy, where can people find you if they if they want to follow you or find more information about you or whatever? Well, first of all, I'm not Roy. I'm in witness protection and I'm ill-advised to, to anyone find me. Uh, well, they can go to royagtrombone.com and um, see pictures. And um, you can look me up anywhere. I'll just do a search on my name. There'll be several options. There's videos. There's a couple of nudes, so be careful. But... Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I haven't done that since the 60s. <laughs> you weren't alive in the 60s. <laughs> I'm a pornographic time traveler. You outed me. Now I have to go back to my home planet. I just remembered you saying what, what your age was. <laughs> oh my God. 
when I was on senior year. We're, we're pretty close, Roy. It's okay. We're pretty yeah, close. We're <laughs> I turned 41 in a, in a month. Oh That's my cool. God. Or three were, weeks or something. I don't know. Old. Whatever. 78. I look amazing. <laughs> and vouch for that. 100%. Drugs, drugs, sex, and rock and roll or something. Rock and, I don't know. It's mostly <laughs> Perfect. So Roy Age, everything in Roy Age, trombone.com. And are there any, are you touring with anybody right now? Are you playing with anybody? Yes. Can I find you anywhere soon? Uh, starting mid-September through Thanksgiving, I think it is. I'll be touring with Lauren Daigle. Ooh, right on. LaurenDaigle.com. Um, and she is fabulous. She's a really great musician, person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I hear wonderful things. Well, thank you so much for joining us yeah. today. This has been you. amazing. Of course, yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to you both. <laughs> it's been delightful. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us. <laughs> thank you for the giggles. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. I'm being very conservative. I know. I know. <laughs> I can feel it. <laughs> Y'all, y'all come find him on Instagram. You'll see what we mean. Just, just Google yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, find me on the old Insta. <laughs> it's true. I'll, it's true. I'll follow you back and then unfollow moments later. Use <laughs> 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 the strategy. I'll follow you. Come on. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, and y'all give him, give him a shout out. Come, go find him at all the places, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave us a nice little five star review so other people can hear these delightful stories. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.